Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 157. My word, we've got through a few. And none are better than this one. Uh, This one means a lot to me. It was... We kind of recorded it on the fly. I'll explain. Wayne had emailed me a few months back, telling kind of his story a little, and asking if I'd be interested in chatting about it on the podcast. And I was, but he's busy, I'm busy... And nothing had happened. And then there was this particular weekend where uh, he was he was going to be... I'd been filming in Leeds. He lives in Leeds. But he works nights and I was filming in the day. So there was this particular weekend. He was like, dude, I'm going to be in London. And I was like, dude, I'm going to be in Leeds. So it was annoying. But then I wrapped early that week on the film. So I found myself in London on the Friday night. So I messaged him saying, are you going to be about... And we arranged to meet up on the Saturday long rambly story there but it meant that I only had my, my mobile gear I didn't have my Polaroid camera so I had to take a separate picture um, and it also meant that I wasn't as prepared as I'd like to be so I was concerned it might not be as strong an episode but I couldn't couldn't be happier with the way he spoke and the story he told Wayne was a soldier um and it's kind of about that it's about the army it's about about joining the army it's not anti-army or anti-war or anything in fact we go into all that so i'm just going to stop talking and, and let you get into the podcast this is episode 157 of the distraction pieces podcast with wayne shamrocks it's a child soldier special enjoy I mean, I've started recording now, so we're kind of oh, okay. in, 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 in the bit. No, this is that, that's a good, good, good point. We were just discussing before and how how this has come together a bit last minute because yeah. um, we talked about this on email a good month or two ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And then it it's kind of where I've been filming. It was definitely a subject that I wanted to discuss because it one it's one that that fascinates me. And I'd said to you, look. I will get back to you on this at some point, I promise. And then I went quiet yeah. for about a month, I'd imagine. And then, yeah. yeah, I was filming in Leeds. And the longer story short is I wasn't expecting to be in London today, and I am, and you're in London. So we said, yeah. look, let's swoop on it now. So it's yeah. slightly unprepared. But what I know about you, um, I know your name's Wayne. Yeah, good That's start, a good yeah. start, right? Um, and, and basically, the main stuff that I know is I've watched the trailer for the f- film you're making. And... Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll get into everything, but a brief s- summary of what I've seen is you joined the army, you know, at a, 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 a young age. Yeah. And at this point, you're not sure if that was a good thing or a good idea. It was fascinating. I, yeah. I, 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 I had Huey Morgan on a while ago, and I, was, I, was, I love Huey, and I wasn't sure how he'd be talking about previously being a Marine. Right. And he's got that thing of he's like, they're my brothers. I love them, but yeah, yeah. it a lot of them are fucked up, and it fucked him up a lot. And yeah, it, you know, it's yeah. done him a lot of damage. And that was good to hear because I know, I don't know. There's often a sense of pride and loyalty to be to, to, to just be. I don't want to say anything negative yeah. about I mean, the armed forces really and that thing, kind yeah. of thing. So, I mean, let's kind of go all the way back as 
Oh, so your name's uh, Wayne Sh- is it Sharrox? Sharrox, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sharrox, I wasn't sure on pronunciation. Yeah, I think um, everyone seems to get it wrong. Yeah, they even call me Sharrox or some, something like that. Yeah, yeah I never yeah. get it right. Yeah. So you're you're have you always lived in 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 Leeds in the north up that way? No. So actually, my dad was in the army as well. So, oh wow! Um, my dad joined at sixteen himself, and he rose all the way to um, captain. So he went all the way through the ranks. Yeah. And in doing that, we sort of moved around every every two years. We moved. So by the time I was well, by the time I joined the army, I'd have moved at least you know ten, eleven times, and oh, wow. so I've lived in places like Northern Ireland, Germany, um, a lot down south actually. But then I ended up living in Harrogate for the most time, yeah, which is where I sort of stuck to until I joined the army myself. Then I went down to Wales, but yeah, so now I sort of reside around Harrogate, but soon to move to uh, Stratford. Oh, lovely! <laughs> yeah, well, you're moving about. Mm. That, that's always good. So I yeah. mean, so you were from an early age, you were exposed to kind of bit i'd imagine of the reality of of the armed forces and yeah. army life and and, and, I suppose, and the yeah, movement because again the, the the fact is it's regardless of whether or not you're deployed i guess it's 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 a full life commitment as you said it's yeah. taking your family and moving here exactly, for this amount exactly, of time yeah. and there for, yeah. for that amount of time. so outside of the stuff you wouldn't have known as a child mm. you knew that i guess you would have seen that it was something that when your dad joined, he joined. You know, that was it. He was that was the the priority for you and your family, I guess. To, yeah, to well, I think the, the priority for the family was really his career. I guess that's yeah. how I saw it as a kid. Yeah, and yeah, my mum really struggled to um, gain careers in places because you know, without doubt, we'd be moving every two years. Yeah, um, I think growing up as well as. Is a sense of actually I enjoyed moving around because it was like seeing new places and yeah, new, yeah. each new place that have something different about it or something or you know when I was a kid it was this place had you know better parks or something or yeah. better swings <laughs> you know yeah. small things but as you get older you know uh, I don't know better places to go out with your friends or something yeah that's and, um, great and, in, and it's an interesting one I mean it, it it sounds stupid but I've always been pleased that, that I went to a, a secondary school that I had to get a train to because right. it's easy particularly in small towns to live a lot of your life in that small town and yeah, never going right, outside yeah. of it but because from the age of whatever age that, that is t- t- 10, 11 or something I was having to get a train every day Yeah, I was then predisposed to getting the train into London or into South End or into wherever yeah, for yeah, my, yeah. my excitement and nights out or wherever else rather than just oh we go up the road or we go yeah. down the road and that's yeah, about yeah, it yeah, so yeah. that must have been a good thing that you're from an early age you're kind of yeah you're you're trained in in going to around. new places and moving I think, about. Yeah, I think there's definitely good things. Like, yeah. um, you know, I'm now, I'm used to moving around and going to new places, but there's bad things as well. So, like, I, I haven't got a set of friends that I've got, had from, you know, right. when I was yeah. a kid, stuff like that. You know, most people have got, you know, their mate, Sam or whoever it is, they've known since, you know, they were six and they've yeah. grown up together and they're always in contact. You know, I, I haven't got any of that really. All my friends are sort of, and I'm, but in a, in a sense, it's sort of good because when I do move on, I find it quite easy to de- detach yeah. in, in a weird way. Which can be good and can be bad, but mate, it's it, it's an odd one because I again these are going to sound like weird comparisons, but yeah. I I had a relationship a few a good few years back and it ended, and because it was someone who lived in another country, yeah, the beauty of just a simple unfollow on social media yeah, made it quite yeah. easy to detach because you had that kind of all oh, right, that's it now we're yeah. not going to bump into each other every every other yeah. week or be seen out with yeah. other groups of friends or have yeah, that awkwardness so. Yeah. I guess particularly when you were moving around a lot as a kid, it was pre-social media, so yeah. you wouldn't have had those those easy connections. It's no. that thing of if you wanted to stay in touch with someone, 
you were going to be pen pals and stuff exactly, like that. So exactly. if you've not been there that long, then you might not be the kind of person who's who's, yeah. who's instantly striking up. Oh, like oh, we'll keep in touch. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, no, exactly. I think I was I was always in my head as well. As soon as I met a new person, it was always in my head. I wouldn't like think about it consciously, but in, in my head, this is a two year relationship. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as this two years is over, we're going to move on. Probably not see each other again. Yeah, but yeah. so I guess I've always had that kind of attitude to life even now sometimes I think that you know when I stay in one place I think I'm going to have to move out somewhere I've never lived in one place for more than more than two years I don't think ever I'm 27 now it's weird it's it's habitual I guess so is it always two years two year postings or whatever well it was then it's not so much anymore but when my dad was in it was always two year postings because he was like um, they call it a career soldier so He'd always have to go in, like, to training establishments or, right. you know, go out of his battalion to do other jobs and stuff. Yeah, so he'd yeah, quite yeah, often yeah, be yeah. moving around, you know, the country doing stuff. But yeah. for me, when I was, I only moved twice, uh, two different camps. So, yeah, it's, I think they're doing that more in the army now to keep people, to keep people in, essentially, you know. Yeah. So they'd have to move around so much. Yeah, well, that makes sense. So, I mean, as a kid, again, it's often, it's often the way that we go, I don't know, I guess it's either, but it, it, it's often that we don't go the same route as our, or more often now, we don't go the same route as our parents. Right. right? Um, yeah. I always have people ask, oh, like, are your parents musical or anything? So yeah. I, no, neither of my parents <laughs> have ever played an instrument yeah, or yeah. done yeah. anything I, I like that. But so, 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 so were you from an early age intrigued by the army and thinking that you would, would go that route? I guess, um, from a very, very early stage, I think I was the same as all kids, you know, like um, I wanted to be a fireman or yeah. a Batman was a big <laughs> influence yeah. to me, actually. Yeah. Um, but I never saw myself as going in the army, maybe. I just, I don't think I was thinking of careers, I just found it fun. Yeah. And, and also, having my dad in the army, I was also, there's a lot of open days and stuff like that where I could yeah. go. And I'd um, actually see inside the camps what most people couldn't see and oh, wow. you know, have different relationships where people would know my dad. And I remember once, for example, there was a, an open day in the camp for all the, the pad brats. So pad brat is um, uh, the son of a soldier. So the people who live on the, the pads estates. It's called, right, so. right. And um, so we'd all go on there. And my dad, so we all went in uniform. And my dad actually sewed on some some of his like sergeant stripes at the time. Amazing. <laughs> and I remember walking around the camp and saying, oh, I outranked this guy. And people telling me to shut up and stuff. And <laughs> you know, knowing it was me, oh, that's Sharrock's his son or something. Yeah. So that was quite funny. But um, yeah, so I, I guess I was excited by it because... You know, it is exciting when you're a kid, isn't it? Go running yeah. around. It's all made exciting. You know, they're not going to give you the worst bits. They're going to show you all the fun bits. Yeah. And um, and then as I grew sort of older, I sort of got out of that and become a bit more into, like, music. I was a big Nirvana fan, and mm-hmm. I started playing the drums. Uh, then I got into, like, skateboarding, and then I was convinced I was going to be a professional skateboarder. You know, right. all these yeah. sort of things in your mind. And Again, then, I mean, that's the perfect... Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, a rally against your parents so yeah, dad's yeah, a career so. soldier I'm going to be a skateboarder yeah. so there's the, and also I used to have like long, long hair as well so yeah. I had like hair down to my shoulders and I remember my dad coming back and saying oh, I'll cut you like a girl and stuff like this yeah, yeah. so I guess it was a rebel against my parents yeah yeah. and then um, I'd, when I decided to join the army it was sort of like I would have been 15 like 14, 15 so wow. coming towards the end of school and it's that sort of time where you, you have to make a decision for the rest of your life don't you as in, yeah, they they you, certainly you feel, imply that. Yeah, they yeah. sort of feel that way. And I wasn't very good academically, so my I was in all the lowest sets for everything. Yeah. And at school, I was always saw school as you know the lowest sets. They were going to be you know I'm a hospital porter at the minute, so that's what I was going to do that type of job. Or the top sets were going to be MPs, lawyers, or yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I was I felt I was already ranked in this system. Yeah. And I wasn't going to do well, so 
and having a dad in the army and saw my dad sort of doing well and rising through the ranks, I thought, well, this is a way I can use my, you know, physical. You know, I was always, I've always been fit, like quite naturally fit yeah. and active, and I was into outdoors and rock climbing and all this type of stuff. So I thought, you know, maybe I could channel that energy and actually get a good career yeah. out of yeah. my physical attributes rather than my sense. academic attributes. So, and also the catalyst for that was um, seeing sort of around that time is when like nine eleven happened and yeah. uh, the Iraq War was kicking off, and I sure. saw. Um, I remember being sat downstairs of the house and seeing this documentary about the Iraq War, and it was a. I think it was a black watch or something. They got stuck out there for ages, and they kept on not getting sent home or something. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing this documentary, and it just some, something clicked in me that I thought, right, that is exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. This is in my mind at the time. You know, now it's ISIS, then it was like um, Al Qaeda or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, right, I want to fight these guys. These guys are destroying our way of life, and all this type of stuff was eating in my mind. Yeah. And I thought, this this is what I can do to you know help the country. I guess. Yeah, to I'm, do my bit. Yeah, I'm fit enough. I've got a dad that is good in the army he can teach me stuff and give me links in places yeah and yeah so I, I tried to join the army at 15 years and I think 15 years and 9 months is the youngest you can join and that's when you go to the army foundation college that's really young though isn't it, it as really well young, yeah. and as said particularly because I remember at that point the 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 pressure to know what you want to do for the rest of your life yeah. which again is ludicrous because yeah. as we all become grown-ups, you realise it can be a lot later, you realise, or you can never realise what yeah, you actually yeah, want to do, yeah. but the pressure at that point is that you should know now, and there's a yeah. careers advisor who has talked to you for 20 minutes and is going to yeah. give you advice on, <laughs> yeah. on what you can or can't do. And, and also there's a kind of pressure between your friends, you know, you, you don't want to be the only friend that's going to nothing. not doing anything, yeah. You know, yeah. Everyone's going, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and you don't want to be that guy that's, I'm just going to go live with my parents, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, and weirdly, I mean, and we'll get into this a, a, later on maybe as well the the way the army is marketed and presented in in this country um intentionally or unintentionally it is one that's kind of an exciting and cool thing oh, yeah, yeah. for kids we play army as kids we yeah. we have action man toys like yeah. there was a, a podcast uh, recently on the network on the hardcore listing podcast and a guy was picking his top a Riker, an artist, was picking his top five action toys, and yeah. and Action Man and GI Joe and that were in there because because yeah, yeah. you could have because it was one of the most affordable toys. Right. So this army thing, so so He Man and wrestling toys were kind of more expensive, whereas you could get all these different army figures yeah. and the tanks and the cars yeah. and play that from a very, a, a very early age, and regardless of wealth and stuff like that. Yeah. So it is it is a weird one that that's. There's when the, in reality, it's and again we'll, we'll get into this a lot, but in reality, it's a it's got to be one of the most serious jobs that you can get, and one of the yeah. most intense and heavy jobs. But again, it's all you think of is a soldier. I want to yeah, be a soldier yeah. Yeah, exactly. along there with fireman or policeman. Which again, equally, they're very intense and serious jobs. Yet, yeah. I guess it's important in a way. I guess that that kind of childhood propaganda makes sense in some ways because, particularly in the past. We really needed as many soldiers as possible. We needed as many firemen as possible. So, if it's marketed as "Oh God, this is a tough job," <laughs> then no one's going to want to do it. Whereas, if you yeah. grow up with that ingrained in you that this is a good thing for you to do, you're a yeah. good person if you're doing this. Yeah. Then I think that's, right? that's never been more so than now. I don't think yeah. now it's. I think when I was a kid, there was there was no essence of uh, a soldier being heroic or a hero. Yeah, I think you saw them as good good citizens or people that were doing something you yeah. know for the society but there wasn't this aspect that there is now of hero you know every time you see 
a soldier in the newspaper, it's always prefaced or prefaced by hero soldier, you know, yeah, our, yeah. our soldier is another one. There's a lot it's, of that going about. I mean, it's a tough one that I, uh, I end up not talking about online much because I get into arguments over it because it's hard to articulate. And mm. equally, I don't want to at any point be, be disrespectful to those that are heroes. But yeah. I've struggled with... An, a charity I've, I've I've never worked with is is Help for Heroes, and I've got a lot of mates who do work with them, and I I appreciate what they're doing and what their their action is. But for me, there's that slight issue that it's how to word this. Um, not every soldier is a hero. Yeah, and that sounds harsh and horrible, but well, it's, that, it's kind of the. I think that's the issue there. Exactly what you're doing there. It's hard to say what you want to say because people yeah. have a, an instant reaction yeah so. how dare you yeah These people are saving it's but exactly again right. it's it, it is a tough one and there have it's been almost personalized, in, in, in my it? lifetime alone there have been horrific things happen at war actions done by people fighting for our side that have done some horrible and horrific things that mm. i wouldn't consider heroic therefore yeah. i struggle and again even just just even removing that personal side of it there's been wars and engagements that I haven't agreed with, that yeah, I've protested yeah. against. Yeah. Therefore, it seems odd to me to then go, oh, they're all heroes, though. And again, I, yeah. as I said, it is a, it's, it's a really t- it's why it is, I wanted to have this discussion, because it, it is a really it, tough subject, because I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone who's given their life, or just their time, or their effort, or whatever else. But yeah. it's, a weird, it's a weird combination that, as I said, we, we, it's quite a common British public believed to be against war against these certain invasions yeah. yet it's far less publicly expressed yeah. to be against soldiers in any way and it's all yeah. they're, they're all part of that same that same thing right it is, it is definitely a very tough thing i think there's part of it the media definitely has played a big part in it and there was a um a report and i can't remember the exact name of the report but um it's something like uh, recognition to armed forces and gordon brown did it in 2006 i think yeah and in it, it was a 40 um, uh, suggestions to Gordon Brown of how to get better recognition of armed forces. So uh, one of them was things like um, uh, Armed Forces Day. So there was never such thing as an Armed Forces Day until right. 2009. And it started off as Veterans Day yeah. in 2006, and they changed it to Armed Forces Day. to Because to, at the time, you know, Iraq, and like you say, a lot of people was opposed to the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, yeah. and they wanted to get more, more of a public, you know, heroic status for soldiers. So yeah. things like that... Um, uh, increased uh, combined, combined cadet forces in schools. Right. So in a lot of schools now, it's almost mandatory that they've got these things in schools. Wow. And kids actually get points on their... I don't know how exactly it works, but I know they get some sort of points as if they go on these away days, that counts on their like CV or something. Wow, you know? yeah. So there's that type of pressure there. Um, that's interesting. There's it's... all sorts of things on there, but it was a, an effort directed at making soldiers in that way. It's quite an Americanism. Amer- America, you know, if you go on a bus... And you'd say you're a veteran, they'll be like, ah, oh, thanks for your service, so there's a yeah, veteran on board. 100%, yeah, but that was yeah, never yeah. like that in the UK, but I think they've just tried to Americanise it now. So exactly like you say, it's, it's hard to even say anything negative about yeah. a soldier, or it's very, very difficult. And it's, it's, it's a personal subject. It's almost like if you say something about the army, you're instantly calling, I don't know, Sally's brother who's in the army. Yeah. That, and it's personal, you know, and it's not personal. Yeah, yeah. You know it's, yeah. Completely. It's, it's interesting, them. Um, Americanization of it and again it's weird comparisons but I was listening to it recently and on, on that podcast about uh, about toys they talked about how when when Action Force launched in the UK it was all kind of British soldiers and British ranks and things like that and right, right. 
the company who do G.I. Joe in America took over Action Force but didn't change it to G.I. Joe immediately because in the UK we didn't know what G.I.s were particularly. So yeah. they kind of started to gradually make it this Americanized version right. of these army soldiers until it was G.I. Joe, the Action Force, right, right. that was then we've got this big... And again, they are all these big, strong yeah, yeah, big, yeah. heroes of men. So it went from this almost... M- military re- replication toys to you know trying to be here's a certain rank here's another rank kind of yeah. faceless as such to yeah. here's a hero here's a here's GI Joe a specific guy exactly, that's yeah. his name mm. and 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 here's this and it is actually yeah it came over to that there was actually a set of toys licensed by the MOD called HM Armed Forces which are really like hyper realistic toys of British soldiers so yeah. they were like they wore the exact same boots had the same rifles the same helmets and there was like Exactly like the stuff you get in the British Army, you could get like Apache attack helicopters, tanks. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> we make it assault vehicles. And um, I was speaking to someone before, and he does um, a lot of artwork, uh, like sort of anti-military stuff. Right. But he's done a lot of research into advertising because originally he wanted to go into advertising. Darren Cullen, his name is. Mm-hmm. And um, he was telling me about this thing called neuro neuro marketing, which is where they essentially learn how the brain works and yeah. use that. I'll say not against you, or they, they use that to sell you stuff. So yeah, yeah. You, you see that on, um, so McDonald's is a really good example. So right. um, if you get a child with, as young as possible to think that McDonald's is a fun, cool, a really cool place to yeah. eat, it's really nice. It's a treat. It's, a, it's yeah. a treat. And you get a free toy. You're more likely to get that child as a repeat customer for life because yeah. the idea has been injected so young that it's formed as, in their brain as a, as a thing. Yeah, completely. And, the military does that same thing. So there was a, a quote from the ex, ex-head of army recruitment or army recruitment strategy, and he said, it starts with a seven-year-old child seeing a, a parachute at an air show and saying, oh, that looks great. And then right. from then on, it's drip, drip, drip through the, you know, things drip, drip, drip. So that idea of getting someone as young as possible and injecting it in their mind that the army is this fun, is this heroic thing, yeah. is a definite thing that is done on purpose. And it's interesting that it's, it's, it's the, the fun element because I remember that at, 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 at summer fates or whatever, yeah, an army guy parachuting in, and you yeah, can yeah. Buy, buy the little army toys that have the plastic parachute yeah, and things yeah. like that, and it's this great, cool, yeah. exciting thing. But it's it's removing any of of the reality of it, exactly. So, yeah. so, what was your kind of recruitment into it? Was there active recruitment at your school, or was it? I mean, simply the fact that you're in a unique situation where your dad's has been doing this his whole life so there's there's that the direct route I guess well um, I think there was a bit of both I'm pretty sure we had a, an army recruiter come into school yeah and I definitely um, through my dad it was definitely was, that was probably the best way I could get because he, he would get me recruitment material he'd get me the DVDs on different things and I remember actually having a DVD the British recruiting DVD at the time and obsessively watching it like you remember those little DVD plays you used to be able to get look like a small laptop yeah and you just put a DVD and press play I remember sitting in bed and just praying pressing play and just watching all of that on repeat like every night wow. I'd say good for, for a good few months just yeah. like because I was just obsessed with it everything about the arm I just wanted to know everything and it's self brainwashing in, in many is. ways yeah, isn't it, it it's really getting is, that yeah. over and over and over yeah. and until I just knew everything and I was obsessed yeah. to join the army that was all I wanted to do and at, at that point I, I just basically sacked off everything at school and all, yeah. I, all I was saying to people is you know I don't care about GCSEs I'm joining the army so I don't need them and then um, I went to apply for Harrogate Foundation College and I failed because I used to get migraines. I used to get like blind in a bit of my eye. Right. I used to get this like circular weird thing, and I couldn't see properly in people's faces right, as wow. that merging up. So I couldn't get in, and I was devastated. And oh, then wow. at that point, I had to move to Northern Ireland because my dad was moving out there. 
So that sort of even hyper motivated me even more because the whole political aspect out there in Northern Ireland, and also I was living in a, in a gated military camp where yeah. I, there was armed gates on the end of my street and stuff like that. So that just sparked me up even more. Yeah. And I went to... Um, and when was that? Kind of early, early 2000s? Yeah, so it would have been 2006-ish. Yeah, yeah, so it would have been still levels of, 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 of militarisation out there, and at, oh, at least yeah. if nothing yeah. else, all the murals and stuff like that yeah. were just mind-blowing. I remember when um, um, uh, me and Dan Lasak in 2006 or 2007 did a couple of gigs in, in, in Belfast and in yeah. Derry, yeah. and we had people coming up to us and saying, like, thanks for coming out, because at that point, bands weren't going there really because right, right. it was still seen even though it's that far and it was still seen as a yeah. a dangerous place and we were like look we i mean in reality we didn't even think about it so it wasn't yeah, some okay. bold statement on our part but it yeah. was like well m- mate it, it meant that every time we did go to ireland we made sure we went to republic and to northern like okay. rather than just going to dublin as a lot of bands do because yeah. of that chance going there and it meaning a lot to people it then meant yeah. that every time we went we were like we've got a we got to do both, and that was amazing. I mean, particularly uh, when we'd take American supports with us. So we took a guy called B. Dolan with us, who actually I did a song on my solo record called Soldier Boy, and it's about... Oh, I've heard it. It's about that. It's about the kind of the, the confusion of recruitment and the confusion of, of hero versus villain and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So um, he was blown away by the murals and all of this. This, this Everything still... So yeah. fresh and so yeah. and so stained in blood, still as as harsh as it sounds. So I can completely yeah. imagine how how going how when you're already motivated yeah. to 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 be part of something in that way to go somewhere that's got such a rooting in it, it'd yeah. be it'd drive you even more. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well with because you're sort of seeing it from another side as well. So you're seeing so I was in an army camp. There was places where we got told we wasn't allowed to go. These are called like red areas, yeah. and to me, those people in the red areas were, you know, there was scum that was trying to kill us or something. Right, you know, yeah. That was in my head. That was that was what it was. Yeah, um, yeah. I was constantly seeing the army all the time. Also, my dad, seeing him like there was just all that type of thing going on that just hyper motivated me even more. And the fact that I'd failed the first time it meant, you know, the one thing I never wanted to do in front of my dad was fail in front of him. You know, right. Especially because he didn't go in the army. That would been yeah. that's, that's devastating. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the next time there's no way I'm failing. So I just did everything I could. You know, I was going for runs all the time and getting all the information off my dad I could and you know just constantly actually my dad took me on the ranges one day this is before I joined the army there's a picture sometimes I do talks and stuff yeah. and I drag up a picture there's one of me when I was like two wearing my dad's beret and I say you know, how, how young I was introduced to the army there's one yeah. of me and my dad I think I would have been about 16 yeah. of me and my dad on the ranges <laughs> firing rifles wow. so, so yeah so he was quite you know I think he always to be fair to him he did always tell me to get a trade not join the infantry yeah but you know, as at that sort of age, you want to be you either going all in or nothing at you. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was the process? You, you kind of got your second go at it. Yeah. And 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 succeeded that yeah. time. So what was like like how old were you? And then what was the process? So I was just turned seventeen, and then um, because I'd done it before, I had to wait eighteen months. So that literally the day eighteen months hit, I went straight to the careers office, and then you have to do. Um, some tests they do like a barbs test so there'll be things come up on a screen and it'll say uh tom is faster than wayne who is faster and you've got to like pick one of them and there's all these type of little mental yeah. things that are fairly easy um it's tom right <laughs> yeah, yeah nailed it 
Go ahead. And then you um, then you go to a selection center. So it's like a, a day and a half where you do um, like a mile and a half run, some fitness tests, um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And then um, yeah, then I got given my oh, then you do you swear you're for allegiance? Then? Okay. No, you don't swear you're for allegiance. Then you have an interview and stuff, and you decide what you want to join. And then um, you go away and you come back, sign your oath of allegiance, and swear that to the queen and all that type of stuff. And then wow. I was in the army about maybe a month or two later. Yeah. That's amazing. That's incredibly yeah. quick, isn't it? Really and, quick. Yeah. And I mean, despite despite coming from an army family, um, how much at that point did you actually know with, About the army. with regards to how long you're in, what you what kind of what you're signing up for essentially because again it's, it is quite a vague thing you think join the army is there big discussions on well here's how long you're in for here's yeah. how you leave how you don't leave you know all of these things that's a good question yeah because none of that entered my mind at the yeah. time so when I went to the careers office I didn't ask you know how much I was getting paid that wasn't yeah. I wasn't interested in that I wasn't interested in you know how many days off I'd get yeah. um, even where I'd be based in the country or abroad um I was interested in what regiment I wanted to join. It's the first questions in any other job, yeah, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's the, strange, The yeah. pay and holiday and stuff yeah. like that, as silly as that sounds, even yeah. if it's a dream job, the pay yeah. and holiday is still an important Which is strange. thing to be. What's, what's, what's that going to be? Which is, is strange, because I'm just getting a new job now, and a lot of the things, because all the jobs I've had since I've left the army have just been, you know, I've had to do them, usually worked on agencies, yeah. you know, I haven't got much education, so I've had to do, you know, jobs in factories, etc. And I've just managed to get myself a job that I actually really want. And, you know, actually knowing the wage and them telling me how many leave days I've got and telling me all the benefits. And yeah. it, I think I must seem like the perfect candidate because yeah. it didn't even enter my mind that type yeah. of stuff. It's yeah. just, if I want to do it, I'll do it. I don't yeah. think about the rest of it. But, yeah, when I joined the Army, none of that occurred to me. Yeah. And the fact that I think I knew I had to give, um, you have to do four years. I think I did know that. Yeah. But at the time, that doesn't seem big to you, does it? When, you, no. when you're 16 and you want to do something, you, that just goes over the top of your head. It's just like, again, yeah. yeah, but then you think now of the difference or of, of, of those four years in particular, either 16 to 20 or 17 to 21. Yeah. Man, that's a lot of change and a yeah. lot of development and a yeah. lot of... Well, this is... They're a, parts of my life. Again, I think of 16-year-old me and 20-year-old me and if that feels like two different people. Yeah, and, yeah. Join the army. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You'll see a different one then, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I think this is... Um, yeah, one of the issues with a lot of veterans' mental health that isn't talked about a lot. So you hear a lot about um, uh, you know PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah. and a lot of people like uh, high suicide rates in veterans, yeah. um, a lot of homelessness, and I think a lot of this can be sort of linked to to training that don't a lot of people don't realise. So right. especially at a young age. So there's been research to say that I think before you're 25, your brain actually isn't fully developed yeah. into you know fit into a, your, I don't know what you call it, or the professional uh, word is. Healthy and balanced, yeah. kind of, yeah. But, um, and you're more likely to make decisions that include risk, you know, stuff like this. So when you join the military and you go through this sort of training, it's conditioning, it's mental conditioning, it's training. Yeah. And, you know, there's loads of things. So the, the values and standards of the British Army, so basically they want to get a civilian, break him down. You, you always hear this thing of breaking down and building him up, right? Right. And they want to break you down and build you up into all the same, so... All with the same values and standards, so there'd be uh, selfless commitment, integrity, respect for others, loyalty, courage, and discipline. That's the values and standards. Yeah. And, and the reason I know that is because once I didn't, and someone beasted me <laughs> right, <laughs> until yeah. I knew it, right? Yeah. So, um, but I think you can break that down into much simpler terms. And I think, in essence, what they 
want you to do. So they want to get a civilian with his own thoughts and his own feelings and his own ways of doing things to follow orders, yeah. but more importantly, to follow orders without questioning the orders, yeah. to be loyal to his unit. Yeah. And the third one, which is probably the most psychologically damaging, is the, the removal of this like natural aversion to not kill. Yeah, yeah. And all this is done in like you know a lot of different ways. And I think these these three things sort of come and go at different points and all intertwine. Yeah. It's quite yeah. a mixed up thing. But um, so, for instance, the following orders without question. You know, every um, military in the world practices drill, so that's like marching. Yeah. You know, like you see outside Buckingham Palace and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, of course. So that is, in essence, a way of training people, a, a mass group of people, to follow orders without questioning them. So yeah. you tell everyone to stop, everyone halts. And if one person in training, for example, does it wrong, that person will be pulled out and punished. Yeah. But also, during the start of training, not only he will be punished, the whole group will be punished. Yeah. So there's this... You've got that on every... So this group, everyone, group yeah. punishment scene, so you, you do not want to be that guy that does yeah. that. And that's just at a really low level. But also, there's another another thing there. This, If you are doing that, and, you, and you're constantly doing that, and the group is seeing that this one person is constantly doing that, you'll then be ostracised, so... Right. Or if you're a good bloke, people will take you aside and say, "Look, this is how we do it better. Um, come on, sort yourself out, and I'll we'll help you out. We'll help you along." Yeah. Or you'll be dragged into a room and beat up until you leave. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's that's also a way of being sort of loyal to this gang. So that's kind of like on a, a very low level, but that sort of builds up and builds up, and there's yeah, there's like constant testing of this during training. So it could be it could be anything from like you know everyone jumping that ice cold water. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to do that, do you? But you know, you're following orders without question. I'll test you. Or it could just be, you know, stand now with your chin out and we'll come and punch everyone in the chin, you know, wow. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're constantly being tested on this ability to follow orders without, without question. Um, it's, 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 it's the part of it that is always, it's weirdly, it's the part of it that I've always been most uncomfortable with above all else. And yeah. weirdly, above the training to be comfortable with killing. Because right. again, I, I I can kind of see more how look in in times of war or, or whatever else you can that may be helpful as as, yeah. as harsh as that sounds. And I mean, to the individual, if, yeah. if if you can train them to see yeah. it as a lighter thing, I can see how that might be helpful. The bit that makes me uncomfortable is the following orders without question, because I can't see anything positive for the individual on that in, yeah well that's the in, thing in you're not situation. an individual in the yeah. army you're yeah, not an individual of course, of course, of course. and they say you know you're a number and you're you're a member of that group you're not an individual anymore yeah. which is yeah another thing they're doing training you know when you first you get all your clothes taken off you get given a uniform which is all the same mm-hmm. you all get your head shaved so you're all the same yeah uh, you're you don't get called your first name you get called your second name yeah so it's kind of like you know, all of that personal personality gets stripped away from you, you know, yeah. and replaced with these values and standards or this ethos. Yeah. Yeah. So going on to this like loyalty to your your gang, which is I think the sort of thing that leads out to what we were talking about earlier, where it's hard to, especially for veterans, to speak out on these things because yeah. they feel like you know they're speaking yeah. out on their and their group or their yeah. yeah their unit or their gang or their yeah. brothers, you know. Um. So when we first joined training, you're not actually given your um beret. So you know most regiments have their beret in their cap badge. Yeah. Yet given this um, a camouflage hat, and that's called um, a cunt cap or a crow cap. Or, right. So it's a, you, you want to get rid of this thing, you know. Yeah. So you're walking around camp with this thing that everyone's looking at. Oh, they're the new boys, you know. They're the, yeah. they're the shit blokes or whatever. Yeah. And also, you're not allowed to until you get this berry. There's certain privileges you're not allowed. So you're not allowed to go to the shop by yourself, for example. Right. Or 
you're not allowed to there's certain, I can't exactly remember the things you're not allowed to do yeah. now, but there's a lot of privileges you get once you get a cat badge yeah <clears throat> so during that first six weeks you're sort of more willing and also you're all volunteers you know you've all volunteered to get there so you're more malleable to, to be put through this sort of training yeah. yeah so by the time you get this cat badge you feel fiercely proud you know that you've gone through all this and you've gained this cat badge and you're with your you're now with this group of brothers you know yeah you're accepted into it yeah yeah yeah. it's kind of like a I suppose like a a long initiation I guess yeah yeah so things that go on you know you you won't speak out about it unless it's to your gang you know and that scene is and if you do then you'll be again you'll be ostracised you know yeah so these things especially things that sometimes I talk about there's there's, I've taken a lot of heat off other veterans but but a lot of times behind closed doors they all agree with me so it's really really weird yeah all the people that support me won't say it in public for example right that's fascinating which is which is really strange yeah and it's, I think it's to do with that loyalty to the gang, you know. I mean, yeah, I've actually got my, my old cat badge tattooed on my chest, you know. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I got yeah. that when I was 18. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it meant that much to me. This is my, my calling in life. This is my only thing I cared about, you know. Yeah. So. But if yeah. it's not right, it's not right. It's yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's that interesting one. So, so, so how did that all then uh, progress? So a month after going in, you go into your training. Yeah. You start off in your cunt cap. And then you get yeah. you move above that, and yeah. and, and and then, and what's the process after that? Kind of you, once the training essentially gets is over, you're you're in, you've made yeah. the grade. So it's it's essentially done in sort of blocks. Yeah. And it's um so twenty six weeks is um infantry training in Catrick, uh, which is about six months, yeah. and it starts off. It's basically six blocks. So intro X one two and three, and then um, final X one two and three. Yeah. Um, or tactic tactical X one two and three. So, and at each each one of these, you can fail and go back a step, or go, you know. So you, that's another thing that you don't want to be is back squatted. That would be seen as really bad. Right. So you start off at first doing um, exercises that are you know fairly easier, and it essentially just builds up and builds up and builds up until you, you full on tactical exercise, and then your final exercise, which is like your, your last tests, and then once you've passed that, then yeah, you're a fully fledged infantry soldier, and yeah. you, you get told at the end where you want to go. And actually, strangely enough, like during training, we said about all these testing things. So one of the things I did to me was, um, so I wear contact lenses now, but I used to wear glasses. Yeah. And no other, apparently they said this to my mum afterwards, like um, the only way we could get to him was by his glasses. Like, because I was fit, they couldn't beast me too much because, you know, they don't really yeah, care. Or take it, yeah. I wasn't, yeah, I'm quite, I suppose, mentally fairly tough. But um, when it comes to my glasses for some reason yeah it killed me so they took my glasses off me and gave me these um, arm issue glasses which are like big Joe 90 yeah. like the worst yeah, glasses yeah, you could yeah, possibly yeah, like, yeah. didn't suit me at all like falling off my face and yeah. and they did that on purpose you know to basically humiliate me and yeah. you know, test test that thing again I guess and I ended up breaking them and I got sent into the office and they screamed at me and stuff and I thought oh, I've got away with these I got my old glasses back yeah. and like I think two or three weeks later they sent off for a new pair but the new pair they got was even worse. Like the old ones are black, and these are like tortoiseshell oh, glasses. Wow. And you know, I'd be marching around camp, and all the other people that see me would be shouting at me and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You know? I can't remember where I was going with this. I now. mean, it's good though because because that's the character in the warm the war movie that stands out, and, and yeah. you're on side with him as someone watching. But yeah, no, that's fascinating, and it's weird because at that point, and quite rightfully, really, I'd imagine there's an immense feeling of achievement. Like when you get to that point where you're you've passed it all and you're and, and you're you're fully trained because it is an achievement if you've got to that level mm. of fitness and 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 ca- and capability uh, uh, within it all yeah. those are things that are naturally in us the the uh, 
kids love the idea of guns. Kids love the idea yeah. of, of, of fighting. If, so yeah. if you've got to a level where you're proficient as a fighter and as a as and using your weapon, then yeah, I can imagine that being a huge kind of yeah. I'm I'm a man now. Yeah, yeah, man, I think that's know? actually a really good description of it. Yeah, becoming a man. Yeah, that is exactly what it's sort of like. You know, you've become not this training soldier anymore. You become an actual soldier. Yeah, you know? I'm a regular soldier now. You know, and that's the goal you've been going to for six months. And yeah. You know, you put yourself through all this hell to to get to, and you've um, you know you've been accepting of all the shit you've taken because you know the, yeah. the longer goal is to be a, a soldier and all this type of stuff. So yeah, I think you are right. But I think I remember my predominant feeling when I drove out of the camp. I think my mum picked me up after my um, you know my big parade and stuff. At the yeah, end, yeah. Was just thank fuck that's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like oh my god, they get me out of it. Yeah. You know? I've got I just it. I just had enough and just get me to camp. Yeah. That was my my feeling. But so, yeah, definitely pride as well. So so, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one because as you said, that feeling of oh I'm a man now or whatever else. That's a seventeen or eighteen year old yeah. feeling that, yeah. and again, that I can understand why that feeling would be the case, but I can equally understand how a short time later there could be a big realization that that's not the case. Well, Do you know what I mean that that you are still a developing mind and a developing you know, human. Well, another interesting thing about that is, um, so this whole loyalty to the gang thing, uh, loyalty to the group, or yeah. I keep on saying gang, it sounds really bad. Yeah, 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 <laughs> loyalty, yeah, yeah. To, loyalty to the uh, group. Um, you're also taught or encouraged in the army to hate people below you. So, right. for example, the reason you want to get rid of your cunt cap is because these people above you are looking down at you. So. Yeah. And for, uh, for instance, in the infantry, we would see ourselves as like the... the the top of the spear, you know, where yeah. they're fighting troops. People below us are called remps, so that's like rear echelon motherfuckers, or right. we just wouldn't see them as consequential, you know. We, yeah. They're fucking not, they're shit, you know. Yeah. Uh, and even weirdly, the people below that are civilians, you know, yeah. so the civilians aren't even good enough to join the army, you know, the waste of space, uh, you call them like lizards or civvy cunts or, Boy, you know, madness, whatever, screamers, you know, whatever name you can think of for And, and the, 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 the logic and psycholo- or the psychological logic in all of that is, is, is blinding because yeah. the fact is a lot of the recruitment at schools will be targeting people who don't know what they're going to do, who aren't, who yeah. are maybe, and I don't mean this in harsh way, maybe aren't at the, the top of the ladder yeah. in, in, in the school system, aren't the, aren't the cleverest, aren't the cool kids, yeah. or whatever else, it's the ones who are a bit lost and a bit well, exactly. safe. Exactly. So, so to then get to have that flip round of, oh, look at them, civic council or whatever else, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, now, I'm now at the top of the ladder. It's, exactly. It's yeah. such a simple... and. Again, it's illustrated beautifully in that first starting point of of you're the one in the cunt cap. As soon as you've not got it, it's like, oh, look at that prick. Exactly. It's like, exactly. Right, well, that was me too. But that quick illustration of that could be you, but it's not anymore, so fuck them. Yeah. Is, is kind of that, it then that translates, it makes complete sense that that translates to when you've achieved your full thing you're then kind of looking down yeah. at everyone else I'd imagine that also comes into the helping you be comfortable with the idea of going and killing people because yeah. you're yeah. going to be looking at most people as b- below you yeah. as I said as you were saying even other people in the army you're yeah. looking at yeah, most yeah. people who are on your side as below you therefore yeah. those who aren't on your side yeah Fuck them. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're scum, especially, essentially. Especially if they're from like yeah, another culture that you can't even adapt to. And Yeah. yeah there's, it's yeah. easy to dehumanise in that way and go yeah. look, uh, look at these 
enemy creatures as such exactly rather that. than these other soldiers who have also gone through their lives and got to this point and done all this stuff it's, yeah nah, they're... so there's an interesting point on that is um, this whole movement of the aversion to kill an interesting point of that is this manipulation of language so like you said they call people targets yeah you don't call you don't say ah oh, shoot Jim over there you say yeah. that's target over there 100 metres away yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Um, on the ranges and stuff like that things have been so you, a lot of repetition has been done and also the target tree has been changed from like a round circle to a human looking figure yeah and you can't see and it looks like it's coming towards you and attacking you like a German soldier I don't know yeah. if you've seen the military yeah, targets yeah 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 I've seen them I've seen and if, if it's on a decent range when you shoot it it falls over yeah so there's all these things that have been put in to sort of psychologically through repetition get in your mind to dehumanise things and yeah and words are being used to manipulate that. So it's dark as well because a lot of them, if hit not clean, it will fall a bit. Yeah, and come back up, cunning. So again, that's again that is as simple as that is. It's like wow, that's going to make you all the more. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I also, need to make sure I get that one to make sure it goes it goes down clean. And it's like a competitive element as well. So if you're on the ranges, um, say I don't know your mate next to you, you don't want to be you want to compete with them to drop as many targets as you can you know yeah. and that's what they call like shooting people is dropping them right yeah. so it's all this it's all this like dehumanisation and, and also turning it into a, a game essentially that's yeah, yeah. The, the, the beauty of that I know on some ranges they have the pole that has the, the paddles that if you shoot it it spins round over right, to the okay. other side and you'll right. have two people two soldiers on one go right, and right. you're trying to clear if you clear one it goes onto their side so they're then trying right. to clear so it adds that, that right? it adds that that, yeah, yeah. that pressure of yeah, I need to clear mine because I don't want then it, yeah. when the time's up whoever's got the most paddles on their side and yeah, yeah. Is, is, is left so again it, it it turns something that is an intense and deadly situation in, into kind of a game it's training you yeah. to be like no bang 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 I need to I'm not it's not thinking it's thinking yeah. I need to act as quickly as possible rather than, yeah. than think anything else and also there's like point systems so you have to pass I don't know what it's called now but I think it was an APWT so annual personal weapons test I think it's called yeah. and you have to and there's like a point system in it so you, you, you could fail that test you know mm. so you don't want to be failing that there's lots of elements to it but yeah essentially yeah. it all exists to dehumanise and reprogram your brain and there's, there's, there's I can't remember what the part of the brain's called it's something like the amandala or something yeah. so it's like the oldest part of your brain the primitive part of your brain yeah. and um, I think you know I've, I broke training down to three parts there but I think probably maybe the most important part is so the best way I can explain it is so if you're walking through a street in London yeah. and you step in, into the road and you see a car out your peripheral vision, yeah. your body, this part of your brain will take over your whole body yeah. and do an action. Yeah. So either preserve your life or um, it'll just do something, you know, you'll either freeze or you'll jump out of the way. Yeah, yeah. But you don't, it won't be conscious thought, you know. It's not a, a, a what shall I do now, it's yeah, it happens. Yeah, it's yeah. just bang instantly. Yeah. And Or if a, a, you know, a lion jumps in the room, you have an instant reaction. Yeah, yeah. And they say like 2% of the world would attack the lion. Yeah. They're like the the psychopaths or, you know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And essentially what the army want you to do is attack that lion. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, when you're getting shot at, everything in your body, a a normal person would be thinking, fuck this, I'm off, you know. Freeze, run, Yeah, whereas they want the whole squad to move forward and take that enemy out, you know, actually go towards the danger. Yeah. So there's this sort of manipulation of this fight or flight mechanism which all comes all these three parts sort of intertwine and constantly testing of these following orders without question and yeah. drilling, constant drilling and, you know, repetition and manipulation of language. It all sort of comes into play into this one thing where you'll just go yeah. forward into danger. So that you're programmed to react in that moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm a big fan of of mixed martial arts and mm. again they say that the high level people there 
you, or, or, or in a fight, if someone gets caught, you can see quite quickly what their main martial art is because they go to it, it without thinking. So right, I've, right. I've seen a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys who get caught and you'll think, oh, it's over. But because what they've grown up is is, is, is grabbing a leg, is grabbing an arm, yeah. they'll, their mind won't be there and they'll be getting that, that locked on That's and getting really a submission. And often in the, in the post-fight interviews, I've seen ones before where they're trying to interview and say, so what did you think? And he's like, I don't know how the fight ended. <laughs> like, like he won, but he doesn't know how it ended because he'd gone into that that, auto, yeah, that autopilot yeah. mode yeah. where it's just right. I'm I'm in danger. Reacting. Done. It's yeah. over. And and again, you'll see him regularly ask the corner before the interview. Like, what was it that I hit him with, or what caught him, or what was it? It's like because in that <laughs> yeah, moment, yeah. it's not it's not a conscious. And I guess choice. that was the, the training. It's the it's the drills. It'd be the exact same thing because they're probably you know they're in intense danger, aren't yeah, they? Especially yeah, in a exactly. very pressured position. Yeah. Where they, they could easily just if they wasn't trained and drilled and conditioned into doing certain things, they'd lose it, wouldn't they? Yeah, it's probably just the pressure for most people of being in front of ten thousand people watching you. Imagine being in like a school fight where everyone runs and shouts "fight," and there might be thirty people are in, in a circle. Yeah, imagine that like tenfold, and there's cameras on you and lights. Yeah, you. I can imagine the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a a, a guy who was I who I was a fan of in MMA called um, Thiago S- Silva and. I always thought he just seemed so calm and relaxed. And then I saw a documentary on him. And what pre-fighting and while he was still an active fighter, he was a member of BOPE in Brazil, the the, 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 the terrorist police, essentially. So it's right. like, that's why he looked relaxed in a yeah. cage. Because normally he's running around in in yeah, in yeah in, in the slums with a machine yeah. gun and being shot at and all that kind of thing. So again, yeah, in, yeah. in a cage, he's just like, all right, I might get hit, I might not. I'm not going to get... <laughs> this is much better than shot. my day job, Yeah, sadly. exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> you've done all the training, and we've talked about how training is. Um, it's kind of a blunt question, but how's mm. how's war? <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> not to be too direct, but that's yeah, what yeah. comes next. And again, yeah, yeah. It's, what, it's what we do dance around in society and with children when talking about soldiers, but yeah. it's the reality. That's, that's what you're training to towards yeah exactly yeah. there's all this talk of the training training in anything is with an end goal yeah. the end goal here is to go to war yeah so that's a perfect description yeah. really because if you'd have um for example got everyone at the start of that military training and said you know what's all your aspirations be in the army they could have said i don't know to earn a bit of money or yeah. to get away from this place or to yeah whatever their motivation was at the end of training, I think 99% of people would be, my motivation is to go and kill the enemy. Yeah. You know, through that six months of um, yeah. conditioning or whatever you want to call it, that's what you end up as. So yeah, yeah. this aspect of going to war is becomes the only thing you think about. So from when uh, I went to Akan the first time at 19, so there'd have been a, a year and a half, two-year period where I was you know doing training and stuff like that. But I was just constantly, the only focus on my mind, I didn't care about you know, getting a girlfriend or how much money I was making or what car I was driving or what was happening in the news. All I cared about was when am I going to Afghan and what, what can I do to get to Afghan, you know. That was my sole focus in life, you know. Yeah. That was it. It's amazing, that, that isn't was like it? The, the that becomes, it's, it's, it's fascinating, man. And that, again, it's part of the training. Part of it is necessary, I'm sure, because it's not, if you're going to be in that, that situation... It benefits you as an. I know you're not an individual, but it genuinely benefits you as an individual yeah. if you're enthusiastic, like if you're wanting to be there. If you're if you're walking out thinking, oh, 
fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> then that's not, that's not the ideal situation for yeah, you. Yeah. Obviously, it's not ideal for the company of the military as such, but it, even as an individual level, I can see that. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. I've, I've, I've spoken to some guys who are towards the end of their military career. Mm. And had some, honestly, some of the, the, the best guys I've met. I, I, when, whenever I've met soldiers, I've gone in with the kind of th- thought of, these are going to be some meatheads or just, <laughs> just, you know I mean? That kind yeah, of preconceived yeah. idea. And yeah. sometimes they have been, but a lot of the time they've been just some genuinely amazing people. So yeah. this is my kind of flip round. If anyone thinks I've been hating on them, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There've been some amazing people, but there has then, there will then be these points in the evening where you see, again, there was one guy who was towards the, the end of his career and you could see that he was really, Unhappy at the idea, like he wanted to go and have just one or two more, or drinks. Yeah, no, one or more, two more. Oh, uh, uh, tours, tours. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, again, in my mind, it's like, mate. It, to me, the logic is, I've done my time. Yeah. But because it's so, but that's because I've not had it drilled into me. For him, yeah, he's like, yeah. I just want a bit more. And it's like, it's not like he was someone who was boasting over anything. And no point was. Yeah. That's the thing that surprised me with all these guys as well. At no point were any of them boasting about uh, what they've done yeah. it was all very humble and just normal conversations and yeah. then certain stories have come up and you were like alright these aren't normal <laughs> people as such right. but that's the thing that struck me and, and saddened me in a lot of ways that yeah. there was that kind of I'm, I'm, not, I'm not done yet yeah. I want more and again that's in my mind that's not a normal human reaction that's a trained and drilled in it's probably uh, quite scenario. similar to mixed martial arts like you were saying yeah. I'm sure there's fighters yeah. there that you see him all the time. I was, yeah, I watch a bit of UFC, and there's yeah. a Anderson Silver in there. Yeah, yeah, he's, coming, he's lost like a lot of his last he's fights. And loads and but keeps still, he wants to come back. You know, a Vitor Belfort and Vandalay Silver, a load of these guys who have been there for 15, 20 years, even, yeah. and like having more fights and coming back for, for yeah. one more. And it's exactly that. I'm sure you've, if you've had that adrenaline rush, yeah, yeah, of having yeah. that clear physical domination. And then the adulation of the crowd to then go to normal life—it's mm. going to be tough, man. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. I think it's like, like, like I said, it's your sole focus in life then. And also, as an infantry soldier, the only time you're actually doing your job is on tour and operations. Yeah. yeah sure. Whereas if you was a, a car mechanic, you could do that all year round, you know, in yeah, England. Yeah, Whereas yeah. an infantry soldier, you're only doing that your job, and you're at the pinnacle of it when you're on tour. So and, and you're waiting. To- yeah, you're just waiting to do your job. The expectation is, is huge there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how was that when you were first told that you were going somewhere or when you were getting your first... Well, I was tour. I was, I was, obviously really excited. Yeah. And um, I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was just really into the training. I wanted to learn as much as I could. Yeah. And I was just solely focused on that. And then I remember the night before I went, I think I went out in town with my friends, and then getting a taxi back. I'm just thinking, holy shit! I'm going to Afghan like tomorrow, wow. <laughs> and then, like it hitting hitting home. Yeah. Like holy, this is actually for real. It, it yeah. just didn't really hit until the last minute. So I think I was I was nervous, but then by the time you get back to your you know your group and everyone's back together and talking, yeah. it's, you know you're excited again. So yeah, you know I don't think I was. If I was nervous, it was more in nervous in a in a good way. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a great thing there as well of a a fake it until you make it element as well is if you are amongst everyone 
everyone's nerves are going to be gone because everyone's going to want to not have nerves. So yeah. as soon as you're the excited one, then someone else is excited. Yeah, yeah. You could all be pretending to not be nervous, but yeah. because he's not, you're like, well, all right, I'm not then. And, and do you know what I mean? And yeah. then it turns into that excitement and, yeah. and hype to get out there. Yeah, yeah. So I think I was definitely excited. And then, um, so you, you go to like Bryce Norton and you have to go and you fly to Afghanistan and that's yeah. like a weird experience because when you're flying over there all the lights go off and you've got to put your body armour on then you start thinking oh I'm actually in a war zone here so that sort of kicks right, home yeah. then when you get out of camp you land in um, either Bastion or Kandahar or wherever you land but it's just um, I think the the feeling I felt then because when you get out it's like um, it's a massively I don't know what to call it like built up camp by yeah. that point by the time I went out and it was like everyone was doing little bits everywhere and you felt like a little part of this big thing yeah. I felt that was what I liked about it maybe because when I went there, I felt like I was actually doing my job, and also I was part of this big machine yeah. that was doing this effort. It was having a, a, an impact far bigger than your yeah, the, yeah, than you yeah. could on your own. Yeah, you know what I mean. Every, yeah, the sum of the parts far yeah. greater than the. Individual. And I felt yeah. like I was like trained up by then. I'd had a bit of experience, well, not in on tours, but you know, in training and stuff like that. I built yeah. up my skill set, and I just wanted to use that skill set on operations. I think yes. Yeah. That was what I, that was what my feeling was. I think. So, so, uh, so, how much of it then was was the the anticipation and the waiting to be sent out on 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 something like when you're there? Were you straight in, or was it a lot of? So yeah. we're hanging out in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so my, my first tour was completely different to my second tour. So the first tour, I, I did a um, oh, what do you call it? Basically, I was in with another regiment. So right. we did. Um, a tour is based in one place, but we go all over Afghan. Right. But we'd only go out on specific operations. So, say uh, there's an operation in North Afghan or South Afghan, yeah. whatever. We'd go out on our vehicles, but we'd stay out for like two weeks at a time, living in in the sand and stuff. Right. Right. Wow. And then come back. But we was given really good equipment. Uh, you know, I, we only went out when we needed to, so it wasn't like we was going around just to to cause danger or yeah, yeah. feeling like I was doing it for no reason. It was always for a purpose. Here's so, the specifics. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. We knew exactly what we were doing, why we were doing it. And yeah, everything was for a reason. Whereas the, the second tour was, um, that was just a generic character. And that was based in a CP, which is essentially uh, an old Afghan farmer's house that we'd taken off him and built up into like a defensive position, really small. Right. And we just patrolled up that area three times a day, the same area all the time. Wow. And it was just essentially waiting for something to happen. For something to happen. Yeah. And Again, that's, and that's that's, that's, a, worse that's a tough one and uh, a terrifying one because it's, it's a situation, I guess that's where the training comes in, but it's a situation where you're repeating the same thing mm. day after day, mm. therefore it's going to be very easy to get lax, to yeah. get slack on things, but it <laughs> there's no exaggeration. It, it is life or death. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it literally yeah, is exactly. life or death, but... If you're doing that same route every day, it stops becoming that in your mind, I'd guess. Or it, or it potentially well, could. It's just, oh, I have to do this lap again and so on well, and so forth. you never do the same route. So you, yeah. you're always doing different routes, you know. So otherwise they'll lay bombs in the same route you do. And, right. you, know, it's, it's, it's yeah. you do it tactically, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's generally the same area. But you're always going different routes. But yeah, I think... So on the so the first bit, um, the, the second tour, like we got there. And it was summer, so it was absolutely red hot. It's like 50-odd degrees, you know. Yeah. And you're carrying all your kit. It's like body armour, um, helmet. It's just red hot. Yeah. All you want to find is shade and kneel down in the shade, you know. Yeah. But um, And when you're walking, you're walking something called a barmer lane. So if one person walks in front and he's potentially got like a metal detector or something like that. Right, yeah. And what you essentially want to do if you're behind that person is walking exactly the same footsteps. His actual right? footsteps, And yeah. the person behind does the same, person behind yeah. the same. So 
we, we was doing patrols like this for probably about a month or something. Like mm-hmm. you say, we was it was sort of getting a bit mundane. Nothing was happening. Yeah. And then, say about I think about a month into the tour, the guy that, that was stood directly behind me, who was the uh, patrol commander, stepped on an IED, oh, and that was. Um, I was like, well, fucking hell. So at first, like from our last tour, we got like things like RPGs. And it was weird because the first tour, we got into a lot of like contacts and firefights and stuff, but no one seemed to get hurt. It was like, it was all fucking invincible, you know? And yeah. that's, that's what yeah. I come off the tour feeling like. I was like, fuck, I'm invincible, you know? Yeah. I mean, you've done your training and you've yeah. become this invincible soldier, then yeah. you'll go out there and do and your job. You, yeah. And then you don't get hurt and you're like, fuck, yeah, I'm invincible. I'm fucking, yeah. I'm the man. And to, to go out and then see that happen, especially. To the guy it did, he was like the patrol commander, he'd been in the army for, I think probably about at least 12 years at that point, I think he was 35, but he was like the straight down the line soldier, you know, always did it by the book, Yeah. Um, everyone respected this guy, and just to see him step on the IED, it would just, and then it'd be like just a mess on the floor, so he'd like lost both his legs and his oh, arm was mate. like snapped off, Fuck. and he ended up dying and stuff, and that was the first click just to think, fucking hell. This is real. Yeah, and I think... And I mentioned this before, and it sounds really selfish, but the first thought in my mind was, um, like, well, that, that was nearly me, you know. Yeah. Which sounds selfish. Yeah. But I, that was just the first it's thing, you know. It's a natural reaction. You see posts all the time with the Manchester and London things, the amount of posts you see that I was there an hour before that. It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, mate, don't give a fuck. About <laughs> these, like, these people were actually jumping. Yeah, but it, yeah, is, yeah. It, is, uh, it is a natural human yeah. reaction to go, oh, God, that was, that was right near where... Yeah, yeah. Where I was, or again, mate, that's elevated hugely in your situation because yeah. l- literally he's in your footsteps. Well, I think you know because you've stepped in foot. Y- yeah, you know he's literally j- j- or j- or just off. I'd imagine. Yeah. So there was three, three of us at the front, and he was the fourth man. Yeah. And so all three of us must have walked. God knows how close to this pressure pad on the floor, and he must have just either stepped a little bit out. I remember turning yeah. around and seeing him. And he was like looking for his sights at something. So I think he must have either stepped off the lane or. Yeah. just unluckily stepped on this thing but yeah so um, yeah <laughs> so yeah, I think that, that was kind of the first and it was also the first time I've seen a, like a close colleague right next to me you know um, brutally maimed you know yeah. and seeing a human and then you also realise that a human being is actually really fragile you know yeah. seeing someone with the legs ripped off you almost yeah. think fucking hell well, actually you're not yeah. invincible you know yeah. that could have easily happened to me And despite how invincible you've all been trained to feel yeah, you're still you're still humans. Yeah, so it's a kind of really weird one that sort of started to make me think how actually maybe after this tour I might give up. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, yeah. no matter how good you are at that stage, he was like you know one of the best soldiers in the battalion. Yeah, and he and he stepped on this idea that he had no yeah. control it, over. It, it, it wasn't even in an intense situation as such. No. It was on a daily patrol or yeah. whatever it is. So it wasn't as even if he like, messed up a drill, you know. Yeah, and yeah. He was standing up at, and then he got shot or something. Yeah, he just, yeah. He was following what he, what he was supposed to be doing. He'd done all the training and, yeah, he was gone. So I think that started to flip my mind. And then um, we was on patrol again, like, I think about two days after that. Yeah. So we got a new patrol commander and then... So we carried on patrol and at first everyone was a bit, you know, cagey and stuff like that. No one yeah. really wanted to go out. Then again, you get into that routine of doing it and doing it. And then um, 10 days after that happened, the guy in front of me <laughs> stepped on an IED. So oh, wow. this guy, Andy, he, he now actually races cars and stuff like that. So he's, he's a double amputee. He's got no legs. But Jeez. So he steps down in this ditch, essentially. And then I was speaking to him because we just had a little, like a little reunion. I, I didn't know the full story of it because, you know. But from his side, he, he walked into this ditch to, you know, clear it. And he'd come back through the ditch to tell me to come over. And that must have when he stepped on this, on this right, IED. Right. So... 
at that point, I'd already been next to one ID, like right next to it. Yeah. And I was patrolling, that ID went off. And I think I was just like, fuck. But weirdly, that whole thing about um, conditioning and going it forward into danger, yeah. I didn't react in like, I reacted in a weird way, like to look at it now at the time, I just thought it was professional, you know. Yeah. So this ID went off and I stepped into the blast, which is a strange thing to do looking back yeah, at it now. 100%. And I, I took a knee, which is like, you know, normally when you stop, you take a knee, you know, yeah. when you're in the army. And I stepped into this blast and took a knee. And I just sort of like sat there, and then then I heard this that Andy screaming. And that's obviously I knew when something had happened. Yeah. And um, but yeah, looking back at it now, a lot of these things that I did were completely conditioned into me. But I think yeah. that was the time then. I think at that point, it needed something like that for me to click out of this this yeah. conditioning and way of thinking. Otherwise, I would just think I'd have just carried on. Yeah. It, yeah. You know. And again, it's it's interesting that they're both ones in 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 kind of passive situations it's yeah. not in these high intense yeah firefights or anything else yeah. it's in it's in i don't know it it feels that that potentially allowed it to hit through in a more gr- grounded way so, yeah, you know, I, I never thought you know, about that to kind yeah, of it, 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 you're not if if you're in that heightened situation, it's all just happening at once. Whereas in that, it's like, wow, this is... Yeah. You've got time to... Sadly, you've got time to take it all in and absorb yeah. it all. You're not just, well, this is happening, but I need to stay alive. I need to do this and, yeah. and do that. It's an interesting point. I've not thought to, about it. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's interesting. Because I suppose you could... Um, I don't know what the word is, you know. Uh, accept it. If yeah. he was in a firefight and, you know, yeah. ah, well, it could have happened to any of us, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. It is, yeah. That. It was, exactly. That's happening. That's the... That's the the deal you, you you've done. That's the that's that's what you've exactly, signed yeah. up for essentially. Mm. Whereas in that it is that different thing of yeah, there's nothing that person could have done. No. Particularly as you said with the, the the first guy who was very much the top respected, yeah, best of the best, disciplined, yeah, no, yeah. no messing about, no 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 jokes, just yeah, and then. That's the way that happens. Weirdly, it was that first because the second one, I got injured myself and like um, just took a blast to the face, and I got sent home like two days later. Right. But weirdly, it was the, it was the first one that affected me more. Yeah. The, the yeah, one that I wasn't yeah. involved with, which is yeah, wow. which is really strange. Yeah. So I think it was. I don't know what it was. Maybe I could like see his face, and I don't, I don't know what it was. But so, so, what was the process of of leaving? So, so, uh, so I got sent back from Afghan. I think I had just maybe like a, a few months off. Yeah. And then went back on rear party. So when a battalion goes on operations, they leave, say, like a company of people behind yeah. to do rear party, look after the camp and stuff. Yeah. So I, I went on to that. And then I didn't leave the army until two two years after that happened. Right, wow. Because I, yeah, I didn't know what else I was going to do. You know, yeah, I yeah, yeah. talked about it, and then I'd come home and think, well, what am I going to do? I've got nothing else to do. And then it got to the point where the battalion was going to go back, on, back to Afghan again. And I knew if I didn't sign off at that point, because you have to be signed off for a certain amount of time, signed off right. the army contract, that yeah. um, I would be going back to Afghan again. And I couldn't compute in my mind as to any reason what would be acceptable for me to go through what I just, I'd just seen just other people go through. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, was, I always used to think, if I was in Kev's position, looking, I don't know how to explain it, but if, if, you know, if I was him looking down now, would I have thought that was worth it to yeah. do? Yeah. And I couldn't say yes. Couldn't, couldn't which sounds bad, but it's, no, no, get, it's, yeah. not, it's not a personal thing to him. But yeah. to, to me, I just couldn't, Except that that was the consequence, you know. Yeah, yeah. For, for yeah. reasons that I couldn't accept, so I decided to sign off, and I got out of the army two years later. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how was it after that? How how was it returning 
to a world you'd very much had trained out of you, I guess. Yeah. You know, you'd been... You, you, you were now a civvy cunt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, there's, there's going to be... On, on, like, momentarily ignoring the horrific things that you, you witnessed out there, even mm. on that level, mm. you're now returning to being what you had previously seen as the lowest of the low. Yeah. So, how, how was that? Well, I, I, was, I was saying this before, but I think... Um, you know, leaving the army was easily the hardest time of my life. Definitely yeah. harder than any training I did, any operations I did. Leaving the army was definitely like the the lowest point I've ever got to in my, yeah. my life. Yeah, and I think that was a, a a sort of like you were saying. You become this thing that you hated all your life. You become this civilian. Yeah, and you can't seem to like when I got out of the army, I couldn't even communicate with people. You know, I couldn't speak to people, for instance. And I felt I think there's a sort of level of um, having to act your part, which I I look back and think of now. So, for instance, I used to go to my girlfriend's. Uh, she was at uni at the time when I left. And she, she, I'd go to her room and she'd be like, oh, do you want to come say hi to my friends? And I'd say, oh, no. Nah. And she's like, what do you mean? That's well rude. And I said, well, I just don't want to speak to them. And she'd be saying, why? But I think the reason was because I thought that they'd have a, an opinion of me because I was a soldier. Yeah. And that I thought I'd have to be a certain way. Yeah. I didn't want to have to do that. I didn't that. want to have to, 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 yeah. to play that role. Yeah, yeah. And I was just sick of it. I didn't want anything to do with it, you know. So that was... So that was really hard, and I think, um, yeah, so this level of conditioning, so you're completely different then when you get out to yeah. everybody else, yeah. and you can't see why. So I never knew, I never even considered anything about training or the military conditioning. I thought I got out completely unscathed, I was never going to suffer with anything, yeah. I'll just get into a civilian job and I'll be fine, you know. But it suddenly started to dawn on me that I was definitely very different to yeah. everybody else, and I couldn't seem to click with anyone or any yeah. form of I life. Mean, Oh, we don't call them civilian jobs. Just exactly, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. As simple as that. Even, even there, it's like, yeah. That's, and I used to joke. There are these things that you wouldn't notice, but again, that's that's going to be your perception. Yeah, and I um, I remember joking with my girlfriend's mum. So I went to a party with my girlfriend's friends there. Yeah. And I'll say to my girlfriend's mum, "I'm off to go practice my civilian interaction." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and she'd, yeah, yeah. And she'd be laughing at me, you know. She even she yeah. has a joke about it now, actually. But, yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, so there was all that uh, sort of side of it, and then there was also another side that. Um, you know, as a soldier, I felt, you know, I was a Lance Corporal in the Army. I was fairly well respected in, in my battalion. Um, yeah, I was well known. Everyone sort of knew each, each other. Yeah. And to get out and then um, there's nothing else I could do but work in a factory. Yeah. And I was thinking, what's what's going on here? I, I assumed that when I got out of the Army, I'd say to someone, oh, I've been to Afghan, you know, and they'd be like, oh, instantly, yeah, we'll, we'll this, snap you that, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's nothing like that at all. And I was really struggling to find any work. And I got a job in a factory spraying kitchen parts. Right. And I was just, I just absolutely hated it. It was just nonstop all day spraying these kitchen parts. And it was also like, uh, so each part would have a certain time you had to spray it. Yeah. And you'd have to do it and mark down your time. And at the end of the day, they'd give you like a, a percentage of how you performed under or over. And it was just, it was just horrendous. I hated it. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and that, that would, I'd imagine, have felt like all that work and all those years hadn't even happened. Yeah. Because that feels like something you, if you'd been at that point of leaving school going, am I going to join the army or not? If you'd chosen not, you could be in a factory spraying parts and giving a, yeah. being given a percentage of your time. So yeah, again, yeah. that must I can imagine how that must be crushing to have gone through such physical and mental tests just to train and then go out and, and, and do tours and come back and feel as if, None of that even happened. Yeah. You're now a 16-year-old, an unqualified 16-year-old yeah, yeah. again. Good, yeah, it's a good description, actually, yeah. Yeah. So, 
uh, yeah, so I started doing that and I started getting, at the time I didn't see it as depression or anything. I just, I thought like my situation was crap and that's why I wasn't happy. And there's loads of times where I decided, right, there's, there's no way I can go in a civilian life. I'm going to have to rejoin the army. I think yeah. there's about three times where I filled out all the paperwork to rejoin right. the army. Yeah. Cause I just thought there was no way I can live a civilian life. Can't you know, I can't, yeah. can't do it. And, um, I got into filmmaking while I was in this factory, just yeah. as a, a side thing that I was doing. I, I saw this. Um, have you ever heard of Casey Neistat? No, not he's like a filmmaker. He's a big YouTuber now. But yeah. before he did all that, he used to make these little short films. Right. And him and his brother are famous for doing the Neistat Brothers, which is right. like um, a HBO TV series where they filmed a year of their life, but using uh, essentially like camera phones and yeah. cheap stuff, yeah, cool. and just documented their life and made these cool little films. And I thought nice. that's yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah. So. I started doing that in my spare time, just things that me and my girlfriend are doing, or you know, just just for fun. And then I thought, well, you know, people actually get paid to do this. I should, yeah, this is maybe a job. I could actually do that. Yeah. So I remember telling people for the first time, I, I want to be a filmmaker, and then being like, what, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what was this guy doing? But yeah. I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to keep doing it in my spare time. And then I eventually got a place in the Northern Film School in Leeds. So right. I managed to leave the factory and get in this film school, and I thought, right, this is it. This is my life now sorted. I've got this yeah. new direction. I can leave all this stuff behind. And then, so I did that for a year and a half, and then basically my mood was getting worse and worse and worse until, yeah. I, the, so the last lesson I had in uni, I remember being sat there, and I couldn't listen to the, the instructor, we were doing this editing class, and my mind was just so full of stuff, and I didn't even feel like I was there, I felt like, the, anyway, the best way I can describe it is, is imagine if you put like a fishbowl on your head, yeah, and, and a thought goes out. But then it bounces off and comes yeah, back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah, I'm not yeah, good yeah. enough. And then another one will come out like um, I should be in the army. I should be. And then yeah. imagine like a thousand of those thoughts just going <laughs> all in your head. Yeah. And um, it got to the stage where I just stood up and walked out. And I texted my girlfriend. I can't do this anymore. And she was like worried about me. And this sort of stage, this like, intervention, I guess, where they got me to um, the GPs, and I got diagnosed with like severe depression. Yeah. And I went through um, cognitive behavioural therapy and medication and stuff like that so at that point I thought you know I'd um my life had got to like its lowest point here and what the fuck am I going to do with my yeah. life you know yeah so I thought well I've got this filmmaking thing I don't want to give that up I had to leave uni yeah but I should make a film and that's where the, the trailer come in so I, th- yeah. I, th- I thought well maybe I could make a film and get this message out there of these mental conditions and, and stuff and talk about it all and one of the things I loved in in the trailer was I won the guy's saying that um or or taking issue with the term post traumatic st- st- stress disorder cause, yeah. and and him saying it's it's not a disorder it's a natural reaction to yeah, a, yeah. A, a horrific experience or a horrific yeah. circumstance and yeah. again I I love that and I'm a, I'm a big believer in that in in general I felt I I mentioned this on one of the podcasts a while ago there's been some times in the last few years where I've been quite down now I've not felt. I think it's easy t- to label now. Oh, this is depression or something like that, and that often comes under the label of "there's something wrong with you." Now, the, the times I've been down, in my mind, it's been a natural reaction to some sh- shit stuff that's happened. Yeah. So it's not felt like a right. I, this is irrational or or, or illogical. This is yeah. a logical a, a reaction to yeah. some horrific ex- experiences. And similarly, the struggles that you were having. That makes perfect sense. If if, if you've been yeah. drilled to number one, or, or or basically to 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 have one path and one path only, as soon as you're off that path, you're gonna feel 
lost in some way. Even if you're walking through a beautiful field, yeah. you're not on the path that you were meant yeah. to be on. You yeah. are lost. Like, when This is sound like the weirdest example, but you're driving and you've got your sat-nav and you're suddenly going along and you know when the road's gone and you're in... like, like It's not updated and it's on yeah, a new yeah, road. Yeah. It can be the best in a situation, a wonderful road, a quicker route, but because the sat-nav isn't guiding you anymore, you're <laughs> yeah. like a bit on edge and a bit nervous because there's suddenly not that path there and yeah. it's a that, that they wouldn't have built the new road if it wasn't quicker and better and faster but because you've not got that guidance it's nerve-wracking and, and, and yeah. panicking I'm going to nick of, that yeah yeah, 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 yeah do, do and yeah, it, yeah, it, it kind of it feels like that because the fact is there the bit where you had to have an intervention essentially and, and, and we're at your lowest step outside of it you're at film school and studying film and making films that yeah. that should be when you're at your highest yeah. but you wouldn't have necessarily been able to see that because of yeah. because of everything else that was going on it's a, it's a really strange thing so, like depression it's almost like it's like you say you could be feeling really depressed because you're in a, a situation that's shit you know yeah. like I don't know a close member of your family's died yeah. you're going to yeah. be depressed right but with depression it's almost like um, sometimes you can't explain why yeah. you're so down you know yeah, sure. and there's, there's no reason for it and you know it's stupid and you're thinking you know I've got things like you say I've got uni I've got this stuff in front of me why yeah. I'm, but I'm just completely down I want to yeah. run away from it you yeah. know which is which is really really hard to get even now I, I still suffer with it now but I'm, I'm on medication and stuff but for instance like today like if you'd have asked me a month ago to go on this podcast today yeah. the first thing I'd have thought of is oh, I hope I'd be in a good mood that day you know yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I can yeah, never yeah. tell when I'm yeah. going to be in my best spot if you know what yeah. I mean so you know if, if someone's asking me to speak at a school for example yeah. on this day I think oh, I've got a, like so for instance today I was had a meeting to do this new job and this so I didn't take my medication last night right because it makes me drowsy and I can't think you properly. want it to be sharp yeah. yeah and I want it to be sharp so it does it affects you in a lot in some weird ways and you just can That's never you can yeah. never sort of plan ahead which is one it's, thing I found of it, it it's interesting I found it interesting having to do a podcast every week because I, I, I have points where I'm really unsociable and really yeah. I don't want to interact much and yeah. not particularly in a down way just I'm not in that in that mode And yeah. but the one thing I've always had is uh, an unrelenting work ethic yeah. so the fact is the podcast at points I think has saved me because it's, it's forced me even if it's just once a week to sit down and have an extended conversation with someone because yeah, yeah. it's work I've got to yeah. And that week, yeah. I might not have had any extended conversations that whole week. Because yeah. again, because I'm working or doing other stuff, but still, it's it's kind of a nice one. And it's again, it's similar with a, a thing like this, where it's like, well, you know, we booked it in as, yeah. as, a, <laughs> as a hopefully, or again, your mind might have been hopefully I'll be in a good place. But in a lot of ways, it it, it might make you be in a good place yeah. because you need to be in a good place. That's the just, 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 well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it forces the hand a little. Yeah, and weirdly as well with it, sometimes I'll be depressed at those weird times, so something really good could happen, and the next day I just feel like complete shit, Yeah, which is really weird. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense as to why I feel up or down, but you just, yeah. or I'll be at work and I just won't want to be there. I won't want to speak. Like you said, I don't want to speak yeah. to anyone. And yeah. It's just a really weird, it's quite horrible to deal with. But, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so we'll start to, to wrap things up. What's the plan with the film? And where can people find out more about you and more about everything that's that they're doing? Or, 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 or before we get to that, actually, yeah. we've not even discussed part of the thing, part of the point of the film from what we've discussed was the belief that it's not anti 
soldiers are anti-war as such, but it is kind of potentially anti the current age that you can yeah, join. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the fact is, as we touched upon earlier, the brain isn't completely developed at this age and things yeah. like this, and it, 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 that could be where there's irreparable damage yeah. um, for someone after after they come out of the service. Yeah, well, that's interesting because of... Um, yeah, and pe- even now, I still think in a military mindset. Yeah. But um, I think I've trained myself into being a civilian. Yeah. Sounds really weird. <laughs> but um, uh, there's certain things I do, like you said, from the, the ways I think about things, this civilian job, I still think of it as a civilian job. Or, yeah. Um, just things I do or things I think, and then I'll think that's a military mindset. Or yeah. Just weird stuff. Um, I can't remember where I was going with this now. Sorry, what was no, yeah, no, yeah, just... Just the, the fact that part of the, the belief in campaigning is to is oh, to yeah. raise the age. Yeah, so so the reason I come about this sort of way of thinking about raising the, the age of enlistment is through, uh, so I've just described about leaving um, uh, film school and being at really low and thinking, right, I still want to do something with this. Yeah. And um, so once I started thinking, right, I'm going to make a film about this, I started speaking to people and realising actually a lot of people were going through the same thing. So... A lot of the friends that had left the army at the same time, I'd speak to them and say, oh, I've just been going through this. And I'd be really nervous about saying it. And they'd reply saying, oh, yeah, I've just been doing that exact same thing. I've been diagnosed with yeah. depression. I'm on this medication. I was like, yeah. oh, holy fuck. And I did another one. After like five people that happened to, I thought, well, this is an issue. You know, yeah. no, one's, no one's talking about this, but it's clearly a lot of people are suffering with it. It's going to be heightened hugely in that situation. I've, I've done a lot of work with Calm, and actually the, the event I was at, at last night when we were recording this was is a charity called... A, a one for the boys which is about getting men to talk more about their physical health mm-hmm. and about ch- cancer and, and checking yourself and this kind of thing because yeah. it is a massive thing again I've worked with Calm for years about men's mental health because the biggest killer of men in the UK between I think 16 and 35 is is, is suicide Yeah, um, it's not car crashes or drugs or anything else it's, it's suicide mm-hmm. And that's a problem that men have at points with sharing or talking about these things. Now, yeah. if you've then, at an early age, gone through a system to make you the ultimate man, the yeah. strongest man, the least questioning and communicative man, then yeah. that's going to be ramped up yeah. to almost 100%, I'd imagine. I'd imagine yeah. this version on 100% of men that leave the army that struggle to talk about issues in, well, in, in any, I, any real way. I actually did a, a, a series of, I think it's about 10 videos, so... I sat down with an organisation called Child Soldiers International yeah. and they said they've been looking for a veteran who joined the Army Young for three years and each person that they've got has always said, no, nah, no, I can't do it, I don't want to be you know, on camera speaking about this stuff. Yeah. For three years, I was the first person to do wow. it. And there's like, um, so if you go on um, Child Soldiers International, there'll be a link like, don't join at 16 or something like yeah. that. And there's a series of 10 videos which sort of explain a lot about what I've been speaking about now really, but um, what training's like and you know, the after effects and that type of yeah. stuff. And that's sort of like a resource um, for young people to go look at and find out the sort of truths of it. Um, you know, I've done all sorts of stuff like go and speaking at schools and telling like the realities of training. Um, not necessarily in a way to say don't join the army, but just to say if you're listening to the recruiters who are saying this is the funnest, best thing ever, yeah. I'm going to tell you the other side and you can make your own decision on it. You know? Completely, and I think that's that's the most important thing. It's, it's why we started the Say Why to Drugs podcast. It's, yeah. And again, I say in the advert bit, it's not pro-drugs, it's not anti-drugs. Yeah. But the point is to l- let you make a, an informed choice yeah, rather yeah. than uh, a, a, a brainwashed choice or a fictional choice or a propaganda choice. So yeah. to go in and speak speak honestly 
that's what's needed, right? Yeah. Rather than again, I, I, I'm I'm glad you've highlighted because again, I, th- I think we've got it across on the podcast. But this isn't a discussion that's having a go at soldiers or the yeah, army, yeah, anything yeah. else. It's speaking openly and honestly about it, exactly, and yeah. then that's then for for people to make their own mind up on. Yeah, exactly. I think, it, like you said, it's a really hard thing to talk about, and people think it. It's a personal dig at a soldier or yeah. soldiers when yeah. it's not personal. Or, you know, I've been a soldier. It's not. I've still got friends that are in the army. You know, and yeah. that's that's cool. But yeah. I just want to at least let people have a, an option where, if I was that age, maybe I would have taken a different path because I knew the the effects. Or maybe I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. I'd like to have known them. I'd like to have someone to sit down and say, you know, I now suffer with severe depression. I think completely differently to everybody else. Yeah. It changed. It affects the whole way I live my life. And, yeah. You know, I've seen people growing up next to me or. You know, all these type of things that probably don't get told in recruitment centers. But the reality of all of it, yeah. because again, it's still a lot of people w- w- would hear that and still say, "No, it means enough to me." I yeah, still, yeah. you know, it, uh, uh, and that's absolutely fine. But it's having that honest and open choice, and yeah. it clearly defined. I said the fact that you went in with no idea of pay, of of of, of term particularly, or, yeah, or yeah. things like that, just. I'm signing up. I'm, I'm yeah. a soldier now. Yeah. Um, of how long training would take, I'd guess, because again, that's a. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, that's a, an almost open-ended. Thing, nah, it's, thing, it's, right? is it, is it training specific? Is, it's specific. Yeah. Right, right. Unless you get back troop or back squatted or. Right. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say because you have to get to a certain level, I'd imagine. But yeah, yes, yeah. unless it's very right. Yeah. I see. So yeah, yeah. So 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 where can people find or keep up to date with what you're doing and and watch the. Tr- trailer for example and stuff like yeah, that yeah so um, I've got a website uh, waynesharrocks.com yep. where you can go on and uh, there's a link to a lot of um, media I've done and some articles I've wrote if you just go on the media but yeah. there's information down there it's um, great. so it's w-a-y-n-e-s-h-a-r-r-o-c-k-s dot com right? that's right yeah I kind of nailed that I didn't even look at <laughs> my phone or anything I did close my eyes <laughs> um, for those who can't see but yeah yeah so in fact everything that you need to go just go on the media bit for that and everything I've done has been linked so you'll be able to find yeah. links from amazing from and are you on, on social media and any of that kind of thing or? yeah so I've got a Facebook page Wayne Sharks Films and yeah. um, I'm on Twitter W Sharks but you know I never use yeah. I need to get into the Twitter game yeah, really. yeah I think yeah. I've got you know upwards of 100 followers <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's perfect well thank you very much um, yeah amazing to talk to you about all this yeah, and, no, yeah it's fascinating I'll definitely I'll blast out some 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 links at the time as well to the videos and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Thanks for talking, man. Because as I said, it's it's not an easy thing for people to talk about. But even more so, as you've said, for a, a soldier or former soldier to feel comfortable talking about. Because mm. even though you're not speaking against stuff, you're just speaking openly about what happens. Yeah. There is still very much a band of brothers mentality of we yeah. don't talk about this this is private but yeah maybe people sh- sh- should talk about it a little bit i think actually if i could say you know any advice to a, a veteran that's maybe thinking the same way i was thinking a few years ago i was depressed and stuff yeah. actually talking about it openly has been the best therapy for it yeah it's yeah. almost like yeah um it's the same thing with depression actually when you don't know you've got depression you're just completely confused as to why you feel like this but when someone yeah. says you've got depression you can then compartmentalise it and say, "I'm doing this because I'm depressed." It's a weight off your sh- yeah, off your, sh- your shoulders exactly, in many ways. Yeah. It, it makes it makes a sense all of a sudden. Yeah. So if you're thinking, "I'm feeling like this because I was trained into that," yeah. then it's the same thing, you know. And if you speak about it, I guarantee there'll be another veteran friend that you've got that's going through the exact same thing. Yeah. I'd, I would guarantee it, you know. Yeah. So yeah.
I think speaking about it is definitely the key to getting either getting over it or accepting it or whatever. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, man. That's been an amazing conversation. Thank you. Awesome. Cheers. There we go. What an amazing dude, right? I, I I think he's a wonderful guy. I hope you all all go and f- follow him on, on social media and, and let him know what you thought of this episode because it's it's an important one. And please, when I have guests on who aren't c- celebrities as such, it's when we really, really rely on word of mouth. Of you guys posting about it on social media, sp- sp- spreading the word. If you if you thought it was a good episode, I'm not asking you for anything. Um, I'm not asking you to lie, but if you if you've got to the end and you thought it was a good episode, then please uh, spread the word and sh- share it about with anyone you feel it might it might resonate with. Um, thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week with the long-awaited Destiny special that I recorded in partly in England and partly in Los Angeles, California. So check that out. I'll be back next week. Uh, For now, ta-ta.